This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said his country's forces had withdrawn from Lysychansk, but vowed to win back the land. With the fall of the city, Russia claimed full control of Luhansk, an area in the Donbass region. Russia has been trying to drive all the Ukrainian troops out of the Donbass, where Russian-backed separatists have been fighting for control since 2014. Meanwhile, Russia blamed Ukraine for explosions on Sunday in Belgorod, just north of the Ukrainian border, which killed four people. That is the highest civilian death toll of the war in Russia. The UN estimates that at least 5,000 civilians have died in Ukraine. Also on Sunday, Anthony Albanese, Australia's Prime Minister, met Mr Zelensky and promised additional aid worth $68 million. A gunman shot and killed three people in a shopping centre in Copenhagen. Police arrested a 22-year-old Danish man in connection with the attack. Authorities have not confirmed the attacker's motive, but do not believe it was terrorism. The police said the suspect, described as an ethnic Dane, had a history of mental health issues. Canada's foreign ministry said that the trial of Xiao Jinhua, a Chinese-born Canadian billionaire, was due to begin in China. Mr Xiao disappeared from a Hong Kong hotel in 2017. The exact allegations that he has been charged with have not been made public. Mr Xiao's disappearance was linked to the anti-corruption crackdown championed by China's president, Xi Jinping. Sri Lanka's energy minister said the country had less than a day's worth of petrol supply left. The next shipment is not due for more than two weeks, but Kanchana Wijasekara warned that Sri Lanka does not have enough money to pay for fuel imports amid a worsening economic crisis. Meanwhile, the education ministry said schools would be closed for a week. At least six hikers were killed and nine more injured in an avalanche in the Italian Alps, triggered by the collapse of a glacier. The incident happened on Mount Marmolada, the highest peak in the Dolomites. Local rescue services blamed unusually high temperatures for the glacier's instability, linked to the impact of global warming. Parts of eastern China are once again undergoing mass COVID-19 testing, amid fears about a new wave of infections. Daily numbers of locally transmitted infections surpassed 300 over the weekend, small by global standards. But restrictions have been tightened in response, with more than one million people locked down in the east. Shanghai and Beijing, China's two largest cities, only returned to zero Covid at the end of June. And fact of the day. $750. The signing bonus offered to new lifeguards in Austin amid a nationwide shortage in America. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Ukraine's Reconstruction Conference Ukraine will be rebuilt, and the West will fund it. That is likely to be the message emanating from the Ukraine Recovery Conference, which starts in Lugano, Switzerland, on Monday. At the start of June, the Kyiv School of Economics estimated that physical damage to Ukraine amounted to $104 billion. 
On top of that comes loss of life and economic output, missed trade revenues and investment, additional spending on the military and assistance for the 6.3 million internally displaced citizens. The overall impact is grim. The IMF reckons that Ukraine's GDP could shrink by more than a third this year, a blow on par with America's Great Depression in the 1930s. Promising money for the future is straightforward. More urgent is funding Ukraine's long war effort and bolstering its finances today. The central bank has been printing money at alarming rates to plug budget holes. Inflation, already 18%, is rising. The Lugano Conference has its work cut out. A new government in India's richest state. Recently in Maharashtra, the Indian state home to Mumbai and Bollywood, politicians rather than films have supplied the drama. On June 29th, the state's chief minister, Udav Thakari, resigned. He was replaced the next day by Iknath Shinde, formerly one of Mr. Thakari's cabinet ministers, now leading a breakaway faction. For eight days, Mr. Shinde and colleagues, supported by India's ruling Bharatiya Janata Party, at the time the opposition in Maharashtra, were holed up in a hotel in Guwahati, a city more than a thousand miles from the state, beyond the reach of party bosses. There they spun a plot which looks to have succeeded. On Monday, Mr. Shinde's new government faces a vote of confidence which it is expected to secure comfortably. His revolt will have implications beyond the state. The new government's alliance with the BJP will strengthen the ruling party, now in power in 18 of India's 28 states. And ahead of national elections in 2024, it will further demoralize the country's hapless opposition. Chile's New Constitution Chile's Constitutional Convention has been at work for a year. On Monday, it will formally present its work to the nation. The new document comes from turmoil. The body that drafted it was elected in the wake of huge protests against inequality and poor public service in 2019. If approved in a referendum in September, the Constitution would replace Chile's current charter, drafted under the military dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet. The new text would give the state a greater role in providing services, expand labor rights, require at least half the legislature and judiciary to be women, recognize indigenous lands, and decentralize power. Yet polls show that most Chileans plan to reject it. Self-inflicted scandals, one convention member lied about having cancer, and fake news, including claims the Constitution abolishes rights to private property, have hurt its reputation. Gabriel Boric, the recently elected leftist president must hope things change once the referendum campaign gets underway. Having backed the new constitution, his government's survival may rest on its success. The Saudi Bourse Looks to the Future A decade ago, foreigners could not even directly buy shares in Saudi Arabia's stock market. Now they can do that and much more. On Monday, the Tadawal will launch trading in single-stock futures, another step in the rapid transformation of the bourse. Since 2015, the kingdom has allowed big foreign investors into the market and eased caps on ownership. By the end of this March, such firms owned 318 billion rials, or $85 billion, in the exchange, up from 103 billion two years earlier. Foreigners still control only a fraction of the market. 
Some of the biggest firms on the index, like Sabic, a petrochemicals giant, are majority owned by the government. Others are controlled by prominent families. But opening the market has been good for Saudis and foreigners alike. Big firms have access to much-needed capital from abroad, and investors have earned better returns than in sluggish Western markets. The Tatawal gained 5% over the past year. The Dow lost 10%. CERN goes beyond the Higgs boson. Ten years ago on Monday, scientists at CERN, the European Particle Physics Laboratory in Geneva, Switzerland, announced that experiments at their Large Hadron Collider had found the elusive Higgs boson. This was proof of the existence of a force field which permeates the universe and gives all other known particles their mass. It was the final piece of the standard model. The scientific theory that, for now, best describes the properties and behavior of all known matter and forces. But it leaves most of the universe unexplained. It cannot, for example, account for gravity, dark energy, or dark matter. Since December 2018, the LHC has been switched off, as it underwent upgrades to make it more powerful. On Tuesday, collisions will resume. Physicists have a raft of recently uncovered anomalies to explore. Investigating them could be the doors through which they can access a much-sought-after goal, finding physics beyond the standard model. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. In which city is there a statue of Hans Christian Andersen in the Rosenborg Castle Gardens? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Frederick Douglass. The life of the nation is secure only while the nation is honest, truthful, and virtuous. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>